Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Butler from the internet. And I'm joined today with the also internet famous Pete DeMeo. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the internet. And the slightly more famous, because she has more followers on Twitter, Melissa Kavanaugh. Hey. And the greedy, because she has two Twitter profiles, Misha Bokikio. I am internet famous. Just don't ask me how I got that way. <laughs> how did you get that way? I said, don't ask. Oh, That's on the premium version of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast coming soon. This but, is a don't ask, don't tell situation. But do you even care, <laughs> about, do you even care about the terms and conditions of Twitter? I don't think you're allowed to have two profiles. Uh, they... Like they like send you the updates and you say, oh, you click, oh, I've read these. And that's like the biggest lie ever because nobody yeah. ever reads that. <laughs> I read every term and every condition ever presented to me. feel like you're lying, but that's fine. Absolutely, I'm lying. Today, we are going to be talking about uniqueness of properties and how a property in this world of crazy competition, domination by the OTAs and the disruptors such as Airbnb and those folks where people are DIY hoteling. Uh, what can you do as a hotel to stand apart? And we are a marketing podcast, as you guys know. But part of marketing is also offering a great product. And oftentimes, the best money your property can spend is not on the stuff that we do here at Fuel, like SEO and pay-per-click and social media and analytics and email. But it's actually investing in your property and making the experience better for the guests. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Some hotels have gone in a specific unique direction or offer some kind of unique amenity or service at the property that makes them stand out from the competition. So that's going to be the episode today. But as always, before we jump into that, let's jump into the news. And as we're going to dabble in the news, let's start with Misha. Well, speaking of Airbnb, they are dabbling with their latest role in destination marketing for Sweden. This is their first exploration into the true world of destination marketing. This is an article I found on skift.com. And the article really goes into how the partnership began with the two, um, with Airbnb and visitsweden.com. So Visit Sweden actually came to Airbnb and approached them about this partnership. And they've created some really interesting, unique content. There's a little microsite. They're doing some paid campaigns on TV and across the web. And they're really just promoting Sweden, which I thought was the interesting piece of this. So Airbnb being primarily a booking company, a lot of the content that they're pushing out isn't pushing the bookings. It's just pushing all of the great natural resources that Sweden has. And it's a very scenic country and just trying to entice people to come visit the country very general. I did check out their microsite and they have some pages set up talking about the different um destinations and things to do but it really wasn't very booking heavy i feel like airbnb this is an interesting move for them because they have kind of again dabbled with this a little bit they have really 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 well done local guides for a lot of areas and not just in the united states but all across the globe so i think this is a footprint that they're trying to make bigger and i think just looking at it from a hotel's perspective they are going to become a resource just like people go to TripAdvisor or they might go to expedia um other really big OTA sites that do have good content on areas and things to do that more top level type research, they're going to become that and they're going to be ranking for that type of stuff. So that's just another competitor that you're going to have out there. I think that's a really interesting strategy for them. And I think you're right as 
they get more content like this, they're going to start showing up in those natural search results pages and people will naturally end up there and then all of a sudden be like, oh, you know what, maybe I might give this a try as they explore the site and maybe become more open-minded to booking on something like an Airbnb. Yeah, like I definitely feel like this is top-level content, but you would be crazy not to think they have a hidden agenda of pushing people farther down their booking channels. And they're a giant website. They're going to have the capacity to rank for these types of terms. So, I mean, it's a smart move. It's a little intimidating when you think of more and more big companies like this coming into the travel space, but it's just the reality. Yeah, I, I think from two, I look at this from both perspectives, right? So from Airbnb's perspective, I think this is genius. Because right now, if you go to any destination and you you don't really know the destination, you're looking for accommodation, if you're not thinking of Airbnb, the chances of Airbnb showing up somewhere in your research is, is very slim. If I search for Atlanta hotels or Atlanta places to stay, it's, it's probably going to be TripAdvisor, Expedia, Hotels.com, these are the guys that dominate. Maybe the local destination portal if they're doing a good job, right? Airbnb aren't in the selection process. So unless you go to this destination with the notion that you want to stay in an Airbnb, you're probably not going to stay in an Airbnb. So they've got to find a way to in, in, insert themselves earlier in the funnel in this kind of content development. This, the destination marketing side makes a lot of sense for them. However... When I look at this from the destination's perspective, I scratch my head a little bit. And and it's interesting that this is this was the the country of Sweden, right? This was like the whole the national yeah. DMO. <laughs> I think it can work on that national level. I don't think it's ever going to proliferate down to the city level, right? Because the city levels, individual DMOs are so heavily controlled by the hoteliers in the market that they're really going to resist this. So, I kind of see it making sense on on a country level, especially in Europe where you know the the offering is a little more diverse there's a lot more like nooks and crannies in city in countries like sweden where you might have off the beaten path kind of places to stay i kind of get that but i don't see this certainly not taking off in the u.s anytime soon but certainly not at the city level and when you see airbnb do this the in they get they find success in creating these destination little portals even if a city or a country does not back them and they, they see that it's being successful, whether the DMOs in the, each market will truly want it, it might be irrelevant because if Airbnb is getting bookings, yeah. they're providing great content, they're getting their search rankings where they want them to be, they're going to create this content regardless of what the DMOs think. For sure. But they, you know, the smart way to do it is to partner with someone that has boots on the ground, right? Yeah. It's really hard. We've managed portal destination sites for clients, and it's really hard from a content perspective unless you actually really know live and breathe that specific market to know the nuances it's easy to get a very vanilla jaded but or not jaded but very vanilla like hashed version of what what is really happening in that city unless you actually live it that's a good article i like it it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens next there all right pete you got one yeah i've got a pretty interesting article and this was this appears in travel weekly and the title of the article is Booking Beyond the Browser, and it's about the Venetian Las Vegas starting bookings directly within Facebook Messenger. And it really appears to be the first hotel to go through the entire booking process within Facebook Messenger's platform. They call it conversational commerce, which is a, a pretty cool term to, to use from a social media. It's always good. Yeah. Uh, but basically what happened is in, I believe it was September, 
Facebook rolled out the ability to, or they enabled in-app payments within Facebook Messenger, Mm -hmm. which means at that point, the gates are wide open for anybody to sell anything they want within the Messenger app. So they have a a chat bot within Facebook Messenger that allows a guest to say, you know, I'm looking to book a room. The, The chat bot comes back with, glad to hear it. What dates are you looking for? And walks the customer through the entire process right up to and past booking the room, the thank you message and everything else. It's really exciting because this is kind of the first real foray into people booking off of an OTA, off of the hotel site, truly within Facebook. Yeah, it, uh, this is definitely a step into the future and, and I think everyone at some point is going to have it. I just, for me personally, I feel like the technology is not quite there yet for it to make sense. I think it's good to experiment. I think someone's got to be the pioneer, but... Have you tried it? I have not gone it, through the It's a little yet. bit clunky. And I think bots in general are still a little bit clunky. You know, I, I'm in the process right now of renewing my green card, and I was on the United States uh, Citizenship and Immigration Service website. That sounds horrible. Yeah, it's, anyway. it's better than getting the cavity search that you get when you actually meet them face-to-face. But From experience, you know this? Yes. But the, the site, I was running into an issue, and there's a chat live chat on there I'm like wow that's, that would be so tough to to man that think how many inquiries they get a day so i pull up the live chat it's like would you like to speak with emma and i'm like sure i'll speak with emma click it's like well emma's not actually real she's a chatbot so here are some of the things you can ask so it became kind of like a choose your own adventure is you know those old books where it's like you read a paragraph and then you could either do a or b or c it was like that, but none of the criteria really matched my specific needs, and I got really frustrated. Mm-hmm. Now, if it weren't for the fact that I need a green card to not get kicked out of the country, I probably would have gotten disenfranchised. If that was a hotel, I would not have booked that way. There's no way. So I would love to see the data on this chatbot and how many people actually book for it. I, I bet it's getting a lot of traffic right now because they're getting a lot of exposure in the media, and people are going and looking at it. I wonder how many actual bookings it's making. You know, we, we have a booking engine embedded in Facebook for for our guest desk product. And it gets a lot of searches, but it does not get a lot of bookings, you know. And I bet this chatbot is going to be the same way, for at least for the foreseeable yeah. future. One of the nice things about this chatbot and other chatbots, you know, in general, is there is a level of learning involved where the chatbot is going to get smarter and smarter based on, you know, queries that are presented to it and, you know, at some level, individual users profile within Facebook. Sure. We're, we're a little ways off, but yeah. yeah. I mean, so, I think this is definitely a glimpse into what's to come, but yeah. I, I wouldn't recommend that hotels listening jump in all in on chatbots and dump, you know, change their budget from Google AdWords to this overnight is not what you need to do. Experiment but, for sure, but don't spend a lot of money yeah. on it. I mean, if you're a hotel looking really truly to have an omni-channel marketing, you you need to at least consider chatbot. Did you do that deliberately? I did that just to make I Melissa mad. I just want to mad. dump my entire cup of water <laughs> on top of your head. So Melissa's favorite term right now is the buzzword omni-channel. She loves it with a passion. I have Her face lights mm. up like a child on Christmas every time she hears it. And I've been trying to think of a way I can integrate it into the podcast. Right. Let's see if we I can do it, it a lot more times before the end of I the show. I think Everybody start counting. That was number one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was the good news. Do you guys have anything to add to that one before we jump to the next I one? I can appreciate the need to innovate, but I personally do not think <clears throat> I would ever book a hotel on Facebook. Maybe that will change in 5, 10, 15 years, but... 
good for them for being the first. You know, they're getting a lot of attention for it. I agree with you. I think it will get a lot of traffic, but I, I don't foresee a ton of bookings coming from this. And if, if nothing else right now, they're getting so much attention and inbound links. It, even if it doesn't book, they've gained value from, you know, for the sure. organic search bump they're going to get from the links and the chatter about them. So I think if whenever there's some new fancy technology, whether it's VR, AR, chatbots, voice search, whatever it is right now, if you're the first to adopt it, you're going to get a lot of a, a lot of media attention. And that that is always beneficial. All right. Let's go with the last news item. Melissa. The last news item comes from Hospitality Trends, which is htrends.com. And it's a study that uncovers the power of kids' opinions on vacation planning. I thought this was a very interesting study uh, that surveyed both parents and their children about planning vacations. And it turns out that an overwhelming majority of parents actually take their kids' opinions seriously when planning a trip. Imagine that. Anybody who's ever been to Disney World knows that that is true. Because an adult does not want to go there. Mm, an adult without kids wants to go there. That's very, that As an true. adult without kids, I want to go there. <laughs> also interesting is that 13% of these children actually made the final decision on where they went on vacation. Wow. Which to me is a little bit mind-blowing. That means 80, would you say, what, 13? So 13%. 87% don't let their children make the final yes. decision. Wait. So the vast majority don't, but... Is this surveys to kids about vacations? Or Both parents and kids. Parents and kids. And kids. Mm-hmm. Now, what it doesn't say is what age ranges these kids were. I think that letting your six-year-old decide your vacation fate versus your 17-year-old is a little different. Yeah, it asks some cool questions about what influences them, you know, whether it's TV or Instagram or YouTubers and stuff like that. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But, yeah, I would like to see a little more data related to who they were serving. But we'll get into this a little bit later on. But kids have a tremendous buying power in in families' homes, right? You just see the whiny kid at Walmart getting the toy that he cried about. I mean, it's that's the reality we live in in this this world. But one of the coolest things I think that I enjoyed most reading about this survey was that the kids were saying that they would prefer to take a trip than to receive toys for their birthdays, which I think is really cool. And, and we're beginning to see that shift, I think, as millennials get more disposable income, there's definitely the shift towards experience over material possessions. And that, to me, is great news for the travel industry. That means more and more people are going to value travel and invest more in travel. And that's what we've been seeing for the last several years. So I think this this is great if you are a family-friendly property to, to leverage this information and understand that you're not just appealing to the parent and people tend to assume it's always the female in the group that is making the decision. People more and more today are making a collective decision. So you got to appeal to everyone that's going to come on that trip. I think my favorite stat is about who the kids want to bring with them. So number one is the family dog. Now I can certainly appreciate that. But they were also interested in bringing other family members. They wanted to bring their cousins or their grandparents. 29% of kids want to bring their grandparents. How cool is that? I think that's pretty awesome. Kids love their grandparents. I mean, speaking from experience, uh, th- there's no one more special in this world than a kid's grandparent. And it's, it's amazing to see. My kids, when they do something fun, they want to go back there and take their grandparents every time. They just want to share that experience with them, which is really cool. So I think that shows like that multi-generational mm-hmm. pull and attraction yeah. yeah, and when you look at the things that the kids want, you know, pool the pool is 
right there at the very top. Every kid wants to be able to, you know, jump in a pool on vacation, but they also want to see new things and experience new things. So you don't necessarily have to be all kid friendly. Mm -hmm. You just have to make sure that you tailor your amenities to also appeal to kids. So if you have hiking trails, make sure it's a kid friendly hiking trail you know, whatever else it might be, don't necessarily say, well, I'm not a family resort, therefore I can't take yeah, advantage of Don't turn of all your rooms into SpongeBob rooms. <clears throat> right. Because the parents are not going to tolerate that. Exactly. But, well, you know, find ways where you can, you know, appeal to the kids, even if that's not what your resort's primary focus is. Agreed. So that is a great segue into this topic this week. And so we're going to talk about unique things that, that, Hotels can offer to differentiate themselves, stand out from the competition, and uh, compete against people like Airbnb, right? Because you, you have a lot of people staying at your property. You can defer the cost or spread that cost over a lot of people so that you can offer things that an individual property run by a mom and pop can't necessarily compete with, right? So I think that that's the future. And we're seeing a lot of more hotels in general becoming just unique overall, right? We're seeing people converting fire stations into hotels and just creating a unique experience. But what we're going to talk about today is how any hotel can really with a few tweaks or a little bit of investment could go in a direction that just appeals a little more to certain groups of people. Right? So that's what we're going to talk about. What inspired this for me was my kids uh, had a pool party recently in our local town. Their soccer coach was staying at a timeshare in town. And so the whole team went and hung out by the pool. But this property had invested a lot in the pools, just like every other property in Myrtle Beach has, right? But they had some stuff that differentiated them. And one of them was they had this play park, kind of like a jungle gym thing where you could climb up. And at the top was a tree house with this crazy, what? and I'm going to quote my kids, epic slide Wow. that was like four stories tall. There wasn't a water slide. It was just a regular old-fashioned slide, but it kind of zigzagged down. And they said it was the best slide they had ever been on. And they, they came home saying, we need to go stay at this place. To I which I responded, not really into timeshare, so we're probably not going to go stay at that place. But that is cool. And in the past, when we stayed at another local hotel, they just had a regular playground at the back of their property. right? And it was on a kid-friendly surface, but they had swings and slides in climbing frames and, and monkey bars and all this stuff that kids just love. And it's such a cost effective thing for you to put in your property that most people don't. And, and I don't really understand why that is because people will invest millions of dollars in their water features. And yet if they've got area to, to put something else, why not do it? So that's kind of what, where, what started me thinking this way. But let's talk about some of the things that, I, you know, in researching this, we found where hotels are just doing something a little unique. And we'll kind of categorize this in types of people. And um, I'm sure there's a lot more out there. So we'd love to hear from you. If, if you guys have some more, just hit us up on Twitter at Fuel Travel and let us know. But let's start by talking about music lovers, right? So I'll kick this one off. So if if you want to appeal to music lovers, if you're in a destination that, that's big into music, say Nashville, right? There's a lot of things you can do. And in fact, the Carolina... Um, Carolina Opry. I'm talking about local. <laughs> the, the Gaylord Opry in Nashville does this really cool thing where you can get wake-up calls from famous people. So if you call down and say, I want a 6 a.m. wake-up call, well, it's not the front desk that calls you. It's a recording of some of the biggest stars, like Trace Atkins or Kelly Pickler, are going to actually be the ones that call you. 
So that is something that probably didn't cost them a lot because those people have performed at their location. So they probably just said, hey, when you're here, could you record this for us? And now it's set up, right? So if you have leverage or if there is someone famous in your town that you could do, that would be really easy to implement, right? And, and save you money because the reservations aren't having to call and it's not just a boring automated thing. So I thought that was in um, the Gaylord Opry. Another one that I saw, which was pretty cool related to music, is in the Hard Rock in Chicago. They have 20 Fender Stratocasters that you can check out. And they are like bowling, bowling guitars, like just awesome guitars. Up to $1,600 is the, the highest value. So if you're a guest there, you can give them your credit card as a deposit and you can check out one of these Fenders and Amp and you can go play it at your convenience throughout your stay and you don't have to return it until you check out. How cool is that? That's, that's so cool. cool. Yeah. So cool. I mean, for Melissa, that would probably be better if it was a clarinet, right? Because I could get down with a guitar though too. Yeah. That's, that's okay. So I, as, as a non music person, like I listen to music, but I don't play music. I don't know how the noise would have, would bug me. You know, if the room next to me was like ripping some Iron Maiden mm. or something, I don't know, but, <laughs> but you're also staying at the hard rock. Yeah, that's true. You kind of expect it. And if you've ever stayed at Hard Rock, every room is very themed like between for certain artists to just rock in general, which is pretty cool. Hey, as someone who played Guitar Hero once for the first time last night, I would totally get down with this. You just, 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 just for the Instagram pics. You just I, oh, for the first I always time? got <laughs> stuck. We would do uh, like rock band. I always got stuck on vocals because nobody wanted to do vocals. And I was like, all right, I'll take one for the team. We so I never a, got to do the... All right, we have a rock band in the office. We can boot up after this. That's fine. But every time we've done it, I had to sing. Okay. Well, you have an angelic voice, so... Oh, thank you. <laughs> and I do not, so... Well, uh, maybe I can go to Nashville and do a recording on their wake-up call. that. <laughs> <laughs> You have to be famous. Well, you're on this podcast, and you have two, tw- two Twitter so handles. No. <laughs> you should you should do that. You should make your voice omni-channel. I should. <laughs> That's number two. All right, what's the next category we're going to target? Uh, we are going to talk about animal lovers. As an animal lover myself, this category speaks to me very much. And the first property that I want to talk about is Greenville, or Greenville. Uh, it's the Aloft. And there, you can borrow a dog. Guests can borrow a dog from the local animal shelter and take it to their room or for a walk. Now, having rescued both of my dogs from our local animal shelter here and being very involved in our local animal shelter, I cannot emphasize how awesome this is for the dogs to be acclimated to getting out and meeting people and all those things so i absolutely adore this plus if you're traveling and you can't bring your dog this is so great you get to play with the dog i love it yeah this is actually a property i stayed at and you know i probably said this on the on the podcast before i'm not an animal person at all in any way (laughs) we know this so but it was really neat to see when i checked in there were like this little fenced off area with these little puppies in it and, and it was like, what in the world is this? So we asked them about it. And they're like, yeah, you can check them out. You can walk them around. Did you uh, check one out? No, I didn't. <laughs> if my kids were there, they probably would have begged until they got it. But it was just my wife and I were, were going on. It was her birthday weekend. We were meeting some college friends. So it didn't really make sense for us. But there was a lot of people that were borrowing the dogs. And obviously, it's the local animal shelter. 
the chances are you're going to fall in love with those little suckers and chances w- are want to take it home with you. So <laughs> I think it's doing good in the community. It's very charitable and also bringing a lot of um, fun to, for the, to the property. I've seen other properties that do this with animals where it's more of a therapy dog kind of thing, like yeah. stressed business travelers get to pet animals and not necessarily take them away somewhere, but they just, they're always on property so you can come and pet them and feel good and happy and relaxed. Yeah, this is win-win for the property and for the shelter, so mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, also, Kimpton, because again, it's been a couple weeks since we've mentioned Kimpton on this podcast. They have pet goldfish. <laughs> I can get down not? with that kind of pet. <laughs> why not? They're very soothing, and I also have been the owner of multiple fish tanks, and it's very calming to sit there and just watch the fish while you're just hanging out and doing their thing and you know, I think it's awesome. You get a pet goldfish for your stay. Yeah. Do they do put it in every room or do you have to request it? I think it? you request it yeah. and you name If I'm not mistaken, I think that you name it and then you get the same, like if you return, you make it the same. Uh, I don't know. I oh, yeah. I'm sure, sure you do. Allegedly. I, uh-huh. I definitely could have just made that What's up. What's your goldfish name? I, I don't have one. I used to have goldfish. I had a betta fish. Yeah. I kind of want one for my desk now. I did have this one fish that I called Jumpy because it literally used to like jump and hit its head against the top of the fish tank like all the time. It used to just smack against it. So its name was Jumpy. Maybe he was listening to Metallica or something. That's very likely in my house. <laughs> Some headbanger music. Yes. <laughs> Took it a little too literally. Yeah, that is cool. I mean, there's a lot of science behind the therapeutic value of fish. Just watching fish is relax- relaxing, reduces anxiety, a lot of things. So I think as, as a business traveler myself, I wouldn't mind having a fish in my... I think that could be kind of therapeutic for me. Oh, are fish like the gateway drug of animals? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I don't have to do a lot with them. I don't have to walk them and clean them out that much, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, with all these things, it's, it's nice because if you're in a competitive destination and you're trying to put heads in beds, if you have this one differentiating factor where animal lovers will automatically say, well, I can stay at this property or I can stay at this property that gives me a puppy... You're going to choose the puppy, Get the puppy. every time. See, so it's differentiating yourself and attracting that market. Now, the last one is even a little bit far out for me as an animal <laughs> lover. But Seattle's Hotel Max offers pet psychologists. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. Now, they also offer acupuncture, and I never know if it's Reiki or how you pronounce that thing now acupuncture i can speak to both my dogs have received acupuncture and it does work um psychologist i I don't know but i think it's pretty cool nonetheless i think they need a second psychologist for the humans for the humans that think their dog needs a psychologist i'm just kidding i'm totally uh not knowledgeable about this at all but i think that's neat there's a certain demographic that that would really appeal to and with any of these things I think what you're trying to do is one, differentiate yourself, but two, create some kind of reason for people to talk about your property, right? So you better believe if you stay at a property that has an animal psychologist or lets you borrow a dog, like I did at a loft, you're going to go tell people about it. You're going to be like, I'd, you'll never guess what this property did. That's word of mouth. That's marketing right there. That That is how you spread your online your reputation online and offline. So that's why you do things like this and it increases the guest satisfaction so so that's the animal lovers was that all of the ones okay what's in the next category so next category is health and wellness and this is one of those markets in travel that's really booming right now 
health, wellness, but then also you get to put in the experiential aspect of, of travel and doing things that maybe one outside of your comfort zone or two things you've always wanted to do, but never really had the opportunity to do so. And with your free time on vacation, you can definitely take advantage of it. And, you know, one example of that is in, on, in Rancho Prescadero, they have fitness classes and chef series of, you know, famous chefs actually come to the resort and prepare meals. And you can actually take classes, cooking classes from these, you know, famous executive chefs. You know, so it kind of goes beyond just, you know, sitting down for a meal, but being able to, you know, sample different kinds of food. Uh, you know, Rancho Pescadero, that's in Baja Peninsula, California, mm-hmm. or Mexico, technically. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, t- tasting local see- local food, you know, seeing the food growing in the gardens at the property, you know, having a you know, famous executive chef prepare the food for you while you learn as well is a great way to take a vacation and turn it into something where you're learning a little bit more as well. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And we, we've worked with this property before. And we had a story one time about, because they have the farm on property. So most of the, the, the produce is actually grown right there. So they're, they're pulling the vegetables and cooking it that night. But they also have some livestock. So there, were, there was a story about some people that were, were walking around the property and looking at the garden stuff, and they saw a cute little goat, and they were asking about the goat. It turned out that the goat was going to be dinner that night oh, for the guests. Oh, no. So, so you've got to be a little bit careful <laughs> yeah. about that stuff. But um, I think that the idea of that farm-to-table kind of feel is, is really cool. So if you're in a remote destination where the land around you is not that expensive, to go and invest in building your own infrastructure for for growing your own food i think it's phenomenal and then what they do too with the yoga the the yoga classes throughout the day is really cool as well so that attracts a lot of people that come and they get world-renowned yoga instructors to come as well which which is pretty cool so if you're a yoga aficionado and you follow certain people you might want to go to that property just because that person is giving a yoga class and that's your only opportunity to see them in in action so that's pretty cool. And there's a lot of examples of, you know, people that are making the most of, you know, the, the health and wellness craze. You know, one is a property in the Turks and Caicos Islands called, you well, know, fittingly, Alive and Well Resorts. They have two properties down there. But when you go to check in, every guest receives a complimentary in-room massage. So the masseuse comes in with a table and, you know, gives you a massage to get your vacation started where you're already relaxed but then beyond that, they have the complimentary yoga classes. They produce a lot of the food on property. And so in the Turks and Caicos, they have a lot of obviously, you know, tropical fruit and things like that, where, you know, they will actually go out and, you know, cut down, you know, a mango or something like that and actually use that you know, in preparation for, for the meals that night. Yeah, I love this property. And, and full disclaimer, we do work with Alive and Well still, but... One of the things they are really big on is making the stay as relaxing as possible, as stress-free as possible. So they'll give you kind of like a beach kit and they'll shuttle you to the the beach in this really luxury kind of golf cart. It's like an extended, it's like a limo golf cart almost. It's more than that because it's, it's got solar panels on the roof and they're electric and yeah. they'll charge themselves anytime they're not being used yeah it's really cool and you can charge your devices on it and it's got wi-fi on it mm-hmm. i mean it's, it's just really cool and then you get to the beach and there's a cooler that they've provided and a, and a um, umbrella and seats and stuff so it's they just go the extra mile for their guests and i really like that approach mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and then there, there's one more ex- example as well, and this is at the Morgan's Hotel Group. They have a uh, it's a collection of hotels, and they offer you know fun things like adult coloring books, uh, meditation apps, and then they also partner with local running groups and exercise groups to get people you know more active on vacation. I mean, what better way to to see a location than you know by taking a you know quick run? Yeah, and I, I think that communal side of exercise is really powerful. You know, I, I know Melissa when she goes to conferences and stuff, she'll always use Twitter to find someone else that's going to be at the conference that wants to go for a run yeah. in the morning. So, it I end up a lot of times just running on the treadmill because I don't really know the area. I don't know if I'm, I don't want to end up in some dodgy part of town, right? So, having that opportunity to meet up with a running club while I'm there would really encourage me to go run and probably run further than I would do on the treadmill. So. I love that concept. You know, we have a blog post on this trend that we should link to in the show notes on health and wellness travel. We do. You're exactly right. I think you've mentioned the running club kind of I concept, did. right? And the other great thing about that, there's a ta- another tangible benefit, right? Which is if you're involving a local community group, then they become more aware of your property and they build an affinity. So anytime anyone comes to town that they know that asks for recommendations, guess where they're going to recommend that they stay? at your property because they already have that relationship. So there's always a good good opportunity for more business when you partner with locals. Goes back again to that uh, the Humane Society or the local animal shelter thing. Same thing, you know, you're, you're building rapport with the local community and when you do that, you're gonna get more business from it. Was that all of the health and wellness ones? That was it. Yes. All right, so let's jump into kid friendly stuff. And kids, obviously, we already talked at the top of the show about how important kids are in the decision process. A lot of people in this country and across the world have children. That's how the human race continues as a species. So uh, some people think their kids are very important. I may or may not be one of them. Depends (laughs) on the time of day and what my kids just did to piss me off. But regardless, kids can draw the family to the property. And you look at properties like Great Wolf Lodge who have just like created their whole entire business model around kids, right? I think it can be really effective. But I don't think you have to go that far. You can just be a little bit kid-friendly or have one or two unique things that are kid-friendly, right? So one example of that, and I cannot pronounce this. Can you pronounce this property for me? It's the Disney Resort. Kofefe. It's not Kofefe. Good <laughs> Omnichannel. It is not. That's three. But no, it's not Omnichannel. Alani? Alani, Disney Resort. So one of the things they do, which is really cool, is a, a campfire story time. And for me, I recently went on, um, it was a field trip with my oldest son's fifth grade class. And we went to this little island. And the thing that they remember more than anything else was one of the nights they had a campfire story time. And the kids kind of sat around and they told really fun kind of sort of scary but not really stories and then they had a little sing song and my kid still to this day and he's taught his younger brother too they still sing the songs from that campfire like that was such a good memory and who doesn't what kid doesn't want to snuggle up under a blanket with a s'mores and snuggle their parent while they're listening to cool stories by a campfire that doesn't cost a lot of money to set up there's so many hotels could do that depending on your destination and it, it, it would draw people. And vacationing is about creating memories, right? That's why people go on vacation is the experience. That is one of the best experiences any kid can have. And it, I mean, it wouldn't really take much. If you're already putting on things like kids clubs, then you've already got the resources. Use the same people that are managing the kids clubs to do that kind of thing, the campfire thing. 
So that's pretty cool. And then another one I found. Well, do you guys have anything to say about that one? I mean, it's one of those things where when people are on vacation and you can get them out of what they usually do, you know, get them out of going to a chain restaurant for their dinner and everything like that and have a, a cookout and sit around a campfire. You Not only are you creating affinity for, you know, within the family itself. So, you know, the parents feel closer to the kids. The kids have a great time. But also all those great memories are really locked in both the parents and the kids' minds, which means they're going to want to go back there year after year after year. So if you really, if you get the kids to buy into your property, you know, looking at the news items we talked about today, they're going to be the ones to influence that per, that family coming back to the resort. Yeah, and then one day down the road, they'll have their own family, and where are they going to want to take them on vacation? Yep. Back to your property. You know, we see, being in Myrtle Beach, we see that a lot. You know, a lot of the people that come here have been coming here for generations and generations. That's, that's why they come here. So I think creating that unique experience is really, really valuable. And I think that it doesn't, even though something is child-friendly, it doesn't mean that it has to not be suitable for adults. So we know here in our market, we know hotels that have had luau's with the fire spinning guy and all that stuff. And who Fire and hula shows, yeah. Yeah, what parent wouldn't want to sit there and watch that? Yeah, I've stayed at a couple of hotels that offer that kind of thing. And, I mean, it it's fun for everyone. And they get people up to join in and, uh, you know, if I had the choice between a hotel that did have that and didn't have that and everything else was equal, I would choose the one that did because Absolutely. we had a good time when we did it. And so. I was going to mention the luau thing too because you can <laughs> offer that, like the actual show is a free amenity to guests. That's a great thing to offer. But I've known some properties that make a whole night out of it and they offer like a luau themed dinner. They can pay 10 bucks a person or whatever it might be to have this themed dinner, but that's an upsell for your property too. Mm-hmm. So just taking it to that next level. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's one... There's actually two properties in Myrtle Beach that I know do it. One, one is Dunes Village and the other one is Monterey Bay, where during the morning, they'll convert their pools to a kid's scuba experience, which is an awesome idea. Scuba Steve. Exactly. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, I think you, it's, Misha, to your point, I think it's around $10 per child, but they get like a two-hour scuba lesson in the pool starting at like 8 in the morning. So it's early. The pool is not occupied yet anyway. All they have to do is have, you know, a couple instructors there. The uh, owners of those properties are already, you know, avid scuba divers, you know, so it kind of works in their favor. But they're there. It makes the kids do something that they've never done anywhere else. And that's something they're going to take back and really tell their friends, I was on vacation and I went scuba diving. And that, I mean, on the playground, that's going to trump anybody's summer story. That's what it's really about at the end of the day. Exactly. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Right, the next one that's kid-friendly is, this is from the Ritz-Carlton, and they do a lot of things really, really well. But one of the things some of their properties do is they have a candy man. And it's all women, I guess, equal opportunities. But we they go around with a cart of candy, and they can give out candy or chocolate to kids that are behaving well or VIP kids or whatever. I don't know if I'd really like that myself for my kids because I try to limit their candy intake. But I could see where that would be like a really fun thing if – you know, it was certain times during the day and the parents were prepared and allowed. They also, for the adults, have a cocktail. Now I can get on board well with that. That goes around and can make you cocktails. I mean, I try to watch my cocktail intake, but. Yeah. <laughs> it's vacation. <laughs> yeah. Interesting story. Did you know that cocktails used to be consumed in the morning? They're not. 
<laughs> should I it's have frowned, frowned, it's frowned upon <laughs> drinking them then? They, they originated as a morning drink back in the day when people used no, to. No, they just renamed them less... mimosas. <laughs> they were rebranded. Bloody Marys. Yeah, all, all, all cocktails originated. Wow. Like the word cocktail was, was originally a morning drink. People used to drink a lot more before you know, noon or whatever is acceptable now. Well, let's bring the cocktail back. Yeah, yeah I agree. I learned that on uh, Stuff You Should Know. It is a great podcast. You yeah. should listen to it. They were talking, it was an episode about beer, I think, and they, they talked about cocktails. Very yeah. good. Anywho, so k- kids is a phenomenal opportunity. I think there are so many ideas and people get so narrow-minded or, or narrow vision in terms of what does the property down the street have? And we've seen in some of the destinations that we market in that everyone's all in on water slides or lazy rivers and it's all water, 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 right? There are so many things that are not water-related that can appeal to kids. You know, things like jungle gyms, like we talked about, bouncy bouncy houses, things like that. Those aren't expensive. And, and they're not. there's not any more liability in a lot of that stuff than there is in a pool. I saw one place in Fiji that literally has hired people that used to be in Cirque du Soleil and they have this whole acrobatics thing. So it's it's kind of like a playground on crack where it's got, the kids don't get the crack. It's just, that's a metaphor. <laughs> right? But That's only for the adults, the cocktail kids, man, the kids, crack man. Kids get to learn how to do certain acrobatics that they would in Cirque du Soleil, which is pretty cool. But even like trampolines and stuff like that. Why, why don't more hotels have trampolines? Uh, because liabilities? But there's whole businesses that are just nothing but trampolines. Yeah, have they people pay like sign a, a million dollars in insurance. Have them sign waivers. You can get around insurance. No problems. Have in-ground <laughs> trampolines. You can do that stuff. What are some other things kids could, kids could, uh, you could do to appeal to kids? I think Lego areas on the list. I think kids go bananas over Legos. Yeah, have a little room where it's just like a ton of Lego bricks. Treehouse, also cool. They should also have that for adults. Yes, which happens to be on the top list of things that kids and parents both want to do in that kids study that we talked about earlier. Treehouses. They want to stay in a treehouse. That's pretty cool. So that is kind of a cool segue into our next yeah. section, which is talking about unique hotel rooms. So one of the things your hotel can do, which instead of just the amenities, is having one or two or a very limited number of very unique rooms, right? There's a couple of benefits to this. One, it differentiates you and gets that word of mouth going. But two, you can drive a higher ADR because it's limited and there's, there's a niche appeal to it, right? So we were researching and we looked around and... One of them that we actually found, Misha, was a treehouse, right? It was. So this is Adventure Suites in North Conway, New Hampshire, and they have the treehouse suite. So this is a room that recreates the feeling of staying in a treehouse in your backyard. So it is complete with stolen stop signs, a jukebox, kind of very reminiscent objects that you might have and kind of a thrown together treehouse. So I think this is a really a cool idea that, as you pointed out, might appeal to both parents and kids and it just kind of lightens the mood up and it's just a, a different experience yeah it's a fun adventure for everyone for the whole family so and you're actually sleeping in a real bed not just on the floor and like a you know in blankets it's like a tree like house you would treehouse. actually want to sleep in yeah. as an adult <laughs> yeah and you don't have the fear of actually falling out of the tree well you could still fall out of the bed well this is true i do that on a weekly basis <laughs> <laughs> so another one of these unique themed rooms that we found was intercontinental milwaukee and i've actually heard of a few different properties doing the same concept but what they have is the pink room and it's a pink themed room 
And $25 of each night's stay is donated to the ABCD charity. That's after breast cancer diagnosis. I've seen this specific to breast cancer charities, but also other charities that have a theme. And then whenever you stay there, a portion of that night's profit go toward the charity. So I think that's a really a unique experience for sure, but a great way to kind of go out of your way and give back a little bit something during yeah, your vacation. And a lot of properties that do, and this is one that's been borrowed a lot. I think mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of properties that do this kind of pink room theme. And a lot of times what they'll do is they'll partner with other local businesses like restaurants and attractions and, and they'll give back in, in trade or in like coupons or whatever it is, the value that's going to the charity. So you might stay there, $25 goes to charity, but you also get a $15 meal voucher to this restaurant and ten dollars to this attraction or something like this so you're getting that value as well but everyone wins right because the attractions now get your patronage the charity gets the money the hotel can maybe charge, charge a higher adr so and then ultimately the the cancer victims are the ones that win most of all so it's, it's great all around the last one that we specifically wanted to mention was the legoland hotel which i'm sure stewart is dying to go there it's in California, and they have a swashbucklingly fun pirate-themed room. So they have um, just everything you could think of when you think of a pirate. So they got the red and white striped room. It's adorned with the pirate flags, and it's got the crossbones and a treasure map rug and a lot of um, you know really wooden structures and just everything you can think of with a pirate ship. You are going to be a pirate in this room. Pretty cool. And if you're a marketer pirate, you could be doing omni-channel. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Out. Four? Does that not count? That's four, uh, right? Yeah. yeah. You can have it. All right. We'll go four. All right. Can we just rename this one the omni-channel drinking game episode? <laughs> you just said it again. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's working. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I would want to say The rooms stand are power. great. I mean, it's, it's a great way to get someone invested in your property the last time we went to disney we stayed at art of animation and they have different theme rooms one's like a lion king room one's a funny nemo room and when we were talking to our kids you know talking about kids driving vacation you know decisions once they realized that they had different themed rooms their decision immediately became am i going to stay in this theme room versus this theme room and it went away from are we going to stay at art of animation you know, that was already, okay, well, they have themed rooms. Which one are we going to stay at? I've already made the mental decision. Hey, this is the property I'm staying at. Now i got to choose rooms. You're walking out that person down that decision funnel. And that's, I mean, it's a great way to get them past the, the initial obstacle of do they want to stay at the property at all. I think Disney is a good example of a company. I mean, obviously, they're a very kid-centric company, so a lot of their themes follow that but i mean all of their resorts if they have a theme they go all out and you yep. certainly don't have to do that as an individual property we were speaking just to doing a few rooms doing this on a small scale but just a good example of that is disney i mean they do a fantastic job yeah i stayed at the the old sports um resort and it was i mean it was cool every room was different kind of sports but the more the cooler part about it was outside they had like a tennis court it was like oversized tennis court and then they had these huge um, football helmets everywhere they had a football court at uh or football pitch football what do you, do you mean like actual football no, or like american soccer? Fo american football field okay. um i'm talking to the american audience i would have said soccer um and then they have like baseball and stuff but it, it was really cool my kids loved it we got lots of good cool photos that were shared on social media you know and that's the other thing when you do have these themed things either oh, in yeah. room or on the property premises somewhere People are going to share it. 
And that's another big opportunity that I think people miss out on is encouraging people to take photos, to share it with their friends and family on social media. Because again, it goes back to word of mouth, differentiating yourself and getting more people aware of your product. So there's a lot of things you can do with themed rooms. I mean, sometimes you run into licensing, you know, if you're going to do specific movies, but you can, you can do things that are very generic, right? You could do science rooms or futuristic rooms or unicorn rooms or fairy rooms or pirates or, or princess. There's a, there's a lot of things and we'll put a list of those on the show notes as well, but there's so many opportunities. So guys putting you on the spot, if you have one themed room, I'm going to give you five seconds to think about it and I'm going to go to Pete first, but you can have one themed room that would be your ideal room to stay in. What would it be? And I will tell you no surprises. Mine would be a Star Wars room. Pete, what would yours be? I don't know, but I do know this, that there's a property in Myrtle Beach that's getting torn down and it has an amazing themed room. Is that the love room? It is a, it is the love room. Oh. It is a mirrored room. We're going to be switching a, over to the premium version now. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it has a giant heart shape. Uh, I need everyone tub. that's listening to put in their, their, their date of birth. Because <laughs> yeah. if you're not 21 or over, yeah. this might get a little. So it's this giant, it's got mirrors all over the walls and ceiling and it's got in a, giant heart-shaped hot tub sunk into the floor of the living area of this room you know what's funny when i was researching this this topic one of the things i was searching for things like themed um themed hotel rooms for kids themed hotel rooms for adults that was a bad mistake the adult uh. themed hotel rooms there was all kinds of stuff like, leopard print yeah there was a lot of that there was a lot of like hot tubby stuff there's a lot of stripper poles in the room oh. there was one that and I forget where it was, but they gave you a um, what did they call it? It was some kind of love package, is, oh. is how it was phrased, which is kind of weird in itself. But it it literally had had champagne, handcuffs, blindfolds, like a bunch <laughs> so of stuff. So it was a Fifty Shades of Grey room, essentially. Yeah. But hey, if you're a honeymoon destination, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it would work. So Pete, you don't have one, or is the love room your your pick? No, it's not the love room. I. I Pete wants a B room be, with uh, honey all over the bed. Yeah. <laughs> Either honey room. room or love room would be way too sticky for me to want to stay in. Uh, <laughs> no, I'd, I'd probably say like some like sport themed room. What's your, what's your team? Would, it, would you go with a team room? No, actually that would be kind of cool. Like a Giants room? Yeah, like a New York Giants themed room. Yeah. I know my wife would love that. No, she would, <laughs> she would absolutely love it. What about you, Melissa? I would have to go with the music themed room. I would like to see like that keyboard that was in um, big, big, where you could yeah. like like a giant keyboard that, that went cool. all the way around the room that you could just play on. Yeah, yeah, I would like that. That would be fun. What about my you? neighbors might not like it so much. But I feel like my answer is going to surprise you. Clemson. No. Cats and wine. No. All right, give up. That's I, all I know about it. <laughs> no, I think it'd be really cool to have like a great Gatsby themed room, like straight up nineteen roaring twenties room. That would be cool. Lots yeah. of champagne. Yeah, I think historical rooms in general is really good. That would be cool. good concept. It was one of the ones on the list, but I think you could do, you know, president, you know, old presidents, stuff like that. World War Two, World War One. There's a lot of things you could really do historical. My wife. Would love to live. One of the, her favorite shows growing up was um, Little House on the Prairie. Oh, yes. Like she would love to live back in that day. I'm like a hotel that had that kind of you know was set up like back then would be really like cool. a log cabin. Yeah, 
for sure. But you know, no mod cons at all. Just all old fashioned stuff, like a mangle to. You have to, to like do pump your washing the water, yeah. turn your own butter. Yeah. yeah. That does not awesome. sound like a vacation. It doesn't. My wife would probably like it though, but I'm mm. not sure I would. So that's cool. All right. So Pete, you did mention bees. Yes. So I feel like our listeners need an update more so because I want to know when we're getting honey, but. So the bees have been busy. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> They've they been busy swarmed, bees. They swarmed and I now have two beehives. Okay. So can you clarify this first? Does each beehive have a queen or do they share a queen? No, they each have their own queen. Okay. That's what I thought. So yeah. I was right, whoa, arguing whoa, with whoa, me. Whoa, 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 whoa. So what happened was the first hive got too crowded. So they created a new queen and she took half of the bees with her to a tree. And they, they flew away from the hive. I captured that swarm by climbing on top Sneaky of a giant bee. ladder. And I put them into a new beehive. Now they're both producing honey. And I should have probably about 100 pounds of honey. <laughs> oh probably within oh about 30 to 60 days. Oh and I'll yeah. bring some. So, so awesome. can, do they compete? Do the two hives compete? Do no, like bees switch between the hives? No, it's crazy. The bees know which is their hive. And I have them three inches from each other. And they know which hive is one bees and which hive is the other bees, and they do not bother each other. All right, so when you stack them on top of each other, though, that was one one queen for the whole thing, right? No, the whole tower is going to be one queen. Yeah. And each of the boxes is just for convenience of being able to access different sections. Okay, so how do they spontaneously just create another queen? Because they see that there's not enough space for Mm. all the bees that they have, so they create a new queen who takes the half of the hive and then goes basically and finds a new place to live. And they try to form their own. Is this like colony. a democracy? Like they all vote on the new queen? Yeah. How do you choose which one you're going to go with? I think it's, it's the opposite of democracy. I think it's a meritocracy socialist society. Every bee is only working for the good of the, the hive and the good of propagating the species. So they somehow know Okay, I'm B.A., I'm going to this one. B.A. Baracus from the yeah. A-team? Ex- exactly, they have to knock all the bees out before they fly So have somewhere. you named the queen? Like, is one Elizabeth, one's Victoria? No, I have an Alpha and a Bravo beehive. Oh, 10-4. What happens when you get a third? It'd be Charlie. Charlie? Charlie. Are you going to stick with that? Mm. What happens when you get, like, 26? When yeah. you're well, 27. there's 20. Oh, that's... Well, when you're 27 <clears throat> comes, you're going to be in trouble. I, I will be. Mm. Not just because I ran out of alphabet letters, because I have 27 <laughs> beehives in a well, we neighborhood. Had, we had discussed that you're going to have to give up your house to the bees, and then you're going to have to live in the beehive. Ooh. Like, I think that's how that works. When you get enough bees, they're just going to take over. So that maybe that'll be my themed room, is I'm a, a giant room, and I'm like a little bee within that room, and I sleep in a little honeycomb. <laughs> wow. So this is the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast <laughs> and Nature Podcast. Yep. Brought to you by Pete DeMeo's bees. Yeah, so that's my hobby. Next week, next episode, we'll talk about you know someone else's hobby. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I'll we'll learn more lot. about the the host of the podcast. Yeah, that would be good. We should do it like a show and tell. We should bring yeah. something in and talk about it. Next week, we're gonna have a solo by Melissa on the clarinet. Oh, that's a great idea. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So get practicing. Put okay. in your requests on Twitter at Fuel Travel. I have the tiger. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you play like a, a Metallica song? That <laughs> On would be the clarinet, awesome. I, yes. I could. Into the Sandman. Sure. Let's do it. Yes. Will I, you play Into the Sandman? I First, it's Enter Sandman, not <laughs> The Sandman. But yes, I, I could learn that in time for the podcast. Sure. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to tune in to the next podcast. You heard it here first. It's going to be a clarinet of some kind of Metallica song. 
Into the slash not yeah. the Sandman. Yeah. Omnichannel Sandman. <laughs> Is that six? I think that's I six. Think so. All right, that's so a six pack of beer. I think, we, I think we've derailed. So a little bit. So let's let's uh, go around the room and see where people can find you on the web, Peter. They can find me on Twitter at p demayo p d i m a i o. Melissa. I'm on Twitter at M-A Kavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. M-Misha. You can find me at Marketing Misha. That's at Marketing M-E-I-S-H-A. You can find me at Stuart Butler, S-T-U-A-R-T-B-U-T-L-E-R. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. And you can get the show notes on fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 55. And we would love to get reviews from you guys if you are enjoying the B discussions or the clarinet discussions or even the hotel marketing discussions, just go to iTunes and please leave us a review and we'll read it out on the show. And until next time, you have been listening to the Omnichannel Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. That's number seven. You know, James Hetfield's a big beekeeper too. I did know that. I'm mouth testing with my mouth hole. I'm testing with my nose hole. <laughs> I'm talking with my mouth hole. I've got three of them now. Mouth holes are all the rage. Yeah. <laughs>